And now, live, it's time. Which team, by colors alone, is identifiable around the world? It's time for the JT the Brick Show. Which team, by slogan, commitment to excellence? On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Just win, baby. All those things are the Raiders. Here's your host, JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT, with you on a busy day today as we get rolling here in Vegas. On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM, brought to you by Golden Entertainment, the owner of the Strat, Arizona Charlie's, 64-plus taverns here, the SG Bar, where I love to get lunch at the top of 215 in Flamingo, all the Sean Patricks in town, Sierra Gold. Love it all. Great place to eat. If you're a gamer, you love sports. And tonight's a monster night in Vegas history as it's the debut of Jack Eichel who's going to be playing for the Vegas Golden Knights. Dave Gosher, one of the broadcasters for the team, will join us at the top of next hour. I'm excited about this. It's a massive topic in Vegas as we're a sports talk show. I'm really into this topic. We love the fact that Golden Entertainment and PTs is a proud partner of the Vegas Golden Knights. And I think this is a night in history before I get to the Raiders and football, as we always do. I think this is an important night in Vegas history when it comes to what's going to happen with the future of Jack Eichel. I thought that this team, and I'll save most of it for the interview coming up later, I believe that this is a franchise here that is supposed to win the Stanley Cup now, last year. Wherever you want to go, they went to the Stanley Cup in their inaugural season. It's been an incredible run here in Vegas. But they brought in Jack Eichel, who's a superstar. And I think the rest of the guys on this team are really good. They got all-stars in stone, as he needs to get healthy, Pacioretty, Marciso, Wild Bill, Theodore, all the players that they have. I, I call them an all-star team. This is an all-star team and a deep team. But Eichel's a game changer, and he's here to win the cup. This team hasn't been able to win the cup, and Bill Foley, the owner, does not want to build 10 years, 12 years before he wins a cup. He wanted to do it already, and I love that. I love the fact that Mr. Foley wants to win now. So they brought in a superstar, potentially top three player in the entire sport. I think it's Connor McDavid, and then you can put together who you want after that. But if Eichel turns out to get healthy, and he's ready to go, this is the launch guide to the Stanley Cup in Vegas, which is really important. So if you're a hockey fan, we want to welcome you back to the show. Because we are talking Vegas Golden Knights, and we'll talk about it on big nights, after big wins, and the push to the playoffs right around the corner. All right, back to football. There is one breaking news story today. Basically, no one showed up for the Rams parade. I'm serious. I I tweeted it out. If you go to my Twitter just a little while ago, like 40 minutes before the parade in Los Angeles, there was nobody there. Now, I'm sure there's going to be people there at the final spot, but this thing's only supposed to go about six or seven blocks. And how is this a Raider topic? Why am I bringing this up? It's a huge Raider topic. It's a Raider topic because the Raiders are L.A. The Raiders are Oakland. The Raiders are Las Vegas. The Raiders are global. And I'm watching the parade right now, and the problem with the parade is they have a tight shot on it, and they're avoiding the crowd. There's not a lot of people there. In Inglewood there, and in L.A., I just got back from six days, everybody. I lived there 10 years. They did a nice job. It's just so spread out. It's so spread out that wherever you put this parade, typically if you have it on Figueroa where Kobe and Shaq and Phil Jackson would have these monster parades or you do it with the Dodgers, 
there's just millions upon millions of people that want to go. Do you know how many Dodger fans there are? I'm talking in the millions. And the same with the Lakers. There are not millions of Rams fans. They're not. There's hundreds of thousands of Ram fans, but mostly it's Raider fans and then fans who are Chicago Bear fans, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, Seahawks fans. Everybody kind of comes and goes in L.A. So this is kind of embarrassing right now. I'm watching it on NFL Network, and they're not showing any wide shots because there's not a lot of people there. If you've ever been in the Bay Area, and if you've been in the Bay Area to a Warriors parade, when a Warriors parade is big. I'm a Yankee fan. I grew up it was a place called the Canyons of Heroes. And the Yankees and, you know, we land men on the moon and they have a parade and we have generals in our United States military branch that come down the ticket tape parades in New York. It's big. This one isn't. But who cares? The Rams won the Super Bowl and they deserve a parade. I just don't know why they didn't have it on the weekend or mix it up here. I think everybody in L.A. is still going through a little bit of a L.A. hangover. And again, I'm looking at it now. And they're not showing too deep into the crowd. It's a one of the more bizarre things I've ever seen. If you're near a TV, you'll know what I'm talking about as they're, they're trying to get some people there. And it just doesn't look right to me. All right, a couple of other quick things. I texted our teammate uh, earlier this morning, Vinny Bonsignor, who wrote the cover story today at the Las Vegas Review-Journal, The New Regime. Supporting cast comes into focus as Josh McDaniels is filling out his staff for the Silver and Black. This is great that they did this. I'm aware of the coaches that have been signed already or in the building, but as always, it's the job of the Raiders, and they do that, to release the terms of these contracts and the staff and to roll out the staff and for the head coach and the GM to put the assistant coaches on radio and do all that. And they're not doing that right now because they're working to kind of put the entire staff together. So I told Vinny earlier today, great job, because he really went on a deep dive today, and I'm sure he's going to talk about it uh, on his show today, and he should because he wrote it. But a nice job by him as he went through each hire so far. Offensive coordinator Mick Lombardi, who is the son of Mike Lombardi, who was with the Raiders in the past. And he was the Patriots wide receiver coach last season, and played a major role in their red zone planning. Uh, they talked about other coaches that are here and how they're putting the staff together. Rob Ryan, who I know Rob from his first the Raiders. We had a couple good times together. Good guy. Rob Ryan's a really good guy. Buddy Ryan's son. And he knows football. And he's a senior defensive assistant. So basically he's going to be in the d- defense room with these meetings with the defensive coordinator, Patrick Graham who I know a little bit about from his run with the New York Giants and the schemes and what he wants to do. Patrick Graham was clearly so well thought out by the Giants. The Giants wanted to protect him and keep him, but the Raiders were able to bring him over. I don't know if he's better than Gus Bradley or not. Time will tell. Former Super Bowl champion Antonio Pierce, the linebacker who won a Super Bowl with the Giants, was recently with Arizona State. He comes in. Carmen Brasillo is the offensive line coach. He's coached just two seasons in the NFL, both with the Patriots, and was most recently New England's co-offensive line coach. So as you can see with this trend here, there are Patriot coaches that are coming over, which I think if you look at it glasses half full, the Patriots are a hell of an organization. They've had good coaches, and they're under the Belichick tree. They're under the Belichick tree. 
So we're not talking about coaches coming in from the Jaguars and the Lions and other teams. And how many years, first, let me stop. How many years has Belichick had to deal with this topic? How many times has Belichick gone into the offseason losing like six, seven, eight coaches? I'm talking guys in the building who are quality control, secondary coaches, whatever it is. Joe Judge goes to become a head coach. Matt Patricia goes to become a head coach. And everybody talks about the failure of former Belichick coaches who go on to become head coaches. And I don't believe in a lot of that because a lot of times they take those jobs at bad teams. You take a job with Detroit. You take a job where you're in over your head with the Giants and it doesn't work out. You go back to Belichick again. Edgar Bennett will remain as wide receiver coach. According to Vinny Bonsignor, he is the lone holdover from last season's staff. The job he did in helping the Raiders overcome the loss of Henry Ruggs and the development of Hunter Renfro, Zay Jones, and Brian Edwards played a major part in him being retained. That says a lot about Edgar Bennett because clearly the new regime that's taken over, and that's the cover story here, they're bringing in their own guys. Uh, Bo Hardigree, the quarterback coach, 37 years old, been coaching since 2008. He was an offensive assistant in New England last season, but he coached the quarterbacks in Miami from 2016 to 18. So he has experience in that role, and he'll be the quarterback coach. And as we were saying, we'll get into Derek Carr. He's going to have to take Derek Carr's game to the next level, along with Josh McDaniels, and what's going to happen in that offensive coaching room here. Jason Simmons, secondary coach. Simmons, 45, played 10 years in the NFL with the Steelers and the Texans and has been coaching in the NFL since 2011, most recently as a defensive pass game coordinator and secondary coach for the Panthers. And Tom McMahon, special teams coordinator, 52, has a wealth of experience spending the past 16 years coaching special teams for the Rams, Chiefs, Colts, and Broncos. Uh, Vinny wrote, replacing Ritz Basaccia will be no easy task, which I agree. So that's the topic in the call to action before I fly through the NBA, the Golden Knights. The Raiders staff now, you're getting a chance to see it. If you looked at this article today by Vinny, uh, we'll get Vinny on maybe next week to talk about this. What do you think? There's a lot of change. They only kept one coach. And as a fan, you could think that's necessary or not. As a radio host, I know that I have no say in it. You know, if I like a certain coach, I don't know the coach compared to the GM and the new head coach. So they're going to bring in their own guys. But, man, you want to talk about a business? This is a great, great example, a tremendous example of how this is a business. And several coaches who initially signed on to be here for five, six, seven years are no longer here because of the Gruden leaked emails, which led to his resignation. And we all know that's true. Everybody's a big boy, big girl. We know what happened. We know what happened. We had Brett Musburger on the show. We've talked to other people about it. When the Gruden emails were released, John Gruden was forced to resign. He was going to resign. And then he steps aside, and all the coaches were his guys, all the guys that he hired and have been with him in the past. Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler coming in from New England are bringing in their own guys, and that's a pure example of the business of football, which is brutal. A lot of these coaches make a lot of money. Some of them don't. They have wives and children that they have to move from town to town, have to move to different schools, 
have to sell homes, hopefully at a profit, thank God for Vegas, hopefully at a profit over the last couple of years, and then you got to start off in a city you've never been to before other than when you visited as an opposing coach. And I hope all Raider fans get that, and I think you do. I really think you understand that. When Mark Davis and before that Al Davis said, once a Raider, always a Raider, you wish these coaches well. They're in a tough spot, and the new ones that come in, you get behind them. I mean, I see no reason to criticize any of these hires. You might like the coaches before them more, but you know this is a business. So now that Patrick Graham comes in as defensive coordinator, you can sit back and call this show and say, you know, JT, from what I've heard about him through your show or when I interview him, I hope he's better than Gus Bradley. And Gus is a really accomplished coach in this league. Vinny writes of Patrick Graham, 43, away from the Giants where he was defensive coordinator the past two seasons, was a coup for the Raiders. He was a finalist for the Vikings head coaching position. Graham is is prominent for building schemes and alignments that fit the opponent and situation, so expect plenty of versatility and adaptability with the Raiders. The Giants were fifth in the NFL in red zone defense last season. The Raiders were dead last. Let me repeat. The Giants were fifth in the NFL in red zone defense, and the Raiders were dead last. Well, how could that not be an upgrade on paper, depending on what the scheme's going to be? It's really remarkable as the host of the Raiders pre- and post-game show that all those games that I hosted with Eric Allen post-game, the Raiders won, right? They won 10 games. So there were games where we didn't break down the red zone defense. But the last game of the regular season blew my mind away on how Justin Herbert was picking apart the Raiders secondary late in that game. And he was throwing bombs into the end zone and bullets into the end zone. And the Raiders couldn't even move and get over to him. And they had five, six, seven guys in the end zone to defend. That needs to be cleaned up. And I think if Gus Bradley was retained, that would have been cleaned up. They would have worked on it. They would have known they were dead last in red zone defense. And they clean it up. You're bringing in one of the greatest offensive minds in NFL history. The most overly qualified head coach in NFL history because no new head coach ever has won six Super Bowls. Josh McDaniels has. He's relaunched after it didn't work out in Denver and he turned down Indy. So he comes in with more qualifications than most coaches. His ability will be to clean up the red zone offense and get the red zone offense better. And that leads me to Derek Carr. A lot of people are texting me and talking about Derek, Derek, what am I hearing about a contract extension. Let me be the first to say no one's hearing anything about it. All it is is rumors. All it is is rumors, and I don't do a rumor-based show. If I wanted to, I could come in here today and go, I heard from a source, like some of these scam artists say before this show, I talked to an NBA scout today, and he, well, who? They're lying. No one knows what's going on with Derek right now other than Derek and his agent, period. And I wouldn't call Mark Davis and ask because... It's none of my business when I find out. Mark Davis isn't going to tell me, hey, JT, we're close. We're close. We're off by $4 million bucks. Take it on the radio. It doesn't happen. So what you're seeing now, and we're going to interview some of these guys and insiders and gals if they want to come on the show. What they're doing now is they're trying to get their name out there. They're trying to say, well, I'm hearing from a source that the Raiders want to extend Derek for only two years 
with a one-more-year player option. They don't want to do a five-year deal with him. They don't want to do something long-term. They, I heard. I couldn't believe what I heard today. Uh, they'd like Derek to play on this final year of his contract where he'd have no security, and if he suffered an Achilles or blew out his knee, he wouldn't be with the contract after that. So everybody now is reaching. So let's dip the show in reality. We don't get in the way of Derek's money. We, we don't speculate about it, but if there's rumors of trades, if there's rumors of other teams interested, if there's rumors that are real by reputable sources – Peter King, Ian Rappaport, the people that I put on the radio, I put on the radio, reputable sources, not rumor mongers who are looking for clickbait. We're going to get that for you here. But I'm also aware that I run a fast-paced radio show and fans deserve to have the right on Sports Talk. You all deserve to have the right to call me and ask me what I think or to say to me, hey, JT, I wouldn't want to give Carr a long-term deal. I'd rather have a short-term deal. We're open for business. The league year starts in a month. Raiders are putting together a certain coaching staff. Either you're in one of two camps. There's two camps on this. You're in camp number one where you believe Josh McDaniels took this job because he knew he had Derek Carr and he wanted to take Carr to the next level. That's camp number one. Camp number two is you believe that Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler took this job with the ability and the power to move off of Derek Carr and go get another quarterback in the draft of free agency. That's all you are. You're in camp one or camp two. I don't know where I'm at because I like Derek, and I'd like to see Derek rewarded for all the turnover at the coaching position, all the turnover he's had when it comes to coordinators and all of that. I'd like to see Derek. I've never got involved with Derek's money. I'd like to see Derek, his wife, and kids are amazing. I'd like to see him be where he wants to be in life. And that seems to be with the Raiders. But I also know from doing this this long that if something changes at the last second and something completely changes, that we're all going to be aware of it. And we'll all have to adjust and move on from there. So I don't know where it stands right now because it's none of my business. All I can do is speculate. And I'll speculate on the side that Derek stays. If he doesn't stay, I'm not going to get arrested. I'm going to have two cop cars pull up. With Raider, with Raider strobe lights and arrest me because I got it wrong. I don't get paid to be right or wrong. I get paid to have opinions. And if you get it wrong, we're not going to hold it against you. But, man, the speculation train is now picking up. The speculation train is now picking up on what's going to happen with Derek. Will he be here or not? And where you stand on that with this new coaching staff. Man, there's a lot of turnover. There's a tremendous amount of turnover, and you have to expect that when you have a 10-win team that makes a decision, the ownership makes a decision in the building on the business side and the football side to go in a different direction. And you got to respect that because that's what happens with Apple, Tesla, IBM, Microsoft, the L.A. Rams, the New York Yankees. All these teams evolve and have to make decisions. And as I'm speaking to you, Aaron Donald is holding up the Lombardi Trophy with no shirt on, a golden diamond chain. I can't wait to get this audio. Guy looks, he looks incredible, right? He looks so fit. He's standing up there. They drafted him, and they got a value deal from drafting him. And then on top of that, balls in. And they decided to go balls out, and they wanted to go crazy and bring in all these superstars to play on the team, and it worked. 
I believe that's the biggest Raider topic of the offseason. I really do. And I believe that's where I'd like your help on this and I'd like your opinion on this because the coaches are about to be introduced formally. There's going to be roster changes. There's going to be changes that you like and don't like or you're indifferent to. But I really want you to know because you're Raider fans and you go back to 1960 with this team or you might have started five years ago, you might be brand new in Vegas. What the help I need from you is understanding what you want as a fan base. You got your 10 wins. Cincinnati had 10 wins. The Raiders didn't have four wins last year and two the year before. The Raiders haven't had a losing season since in Vegas. They had an 8-8 eight and eight season, and then they had a 10-win season. So it's very important now to build on that, and how do you want to build on it? I'm always honest with you. I've been known to exaggerate, but I've never lied to you once in my 23 years with the team. I will tell you that I'm more of a fan of doing what the Rams have done, but you can't do what the Rams have done completely. You can't go all in like that. You can't do that. Let's look at Jared Goff. Jared Goff had much more success than Derek Carr in the playoffs. He took the Rams to the Super Bowl. So basically what they did was they took Jared Goff and traded him to Detroit plus two number ones to get Stafford. That's all in. I don't know many Raider fans. That would be the equivalent of the Raiders taking Derek Carr and trading him to Seattle for Russell Westbrook, excuse me, Russell Wilson and giving up two number ones for that. That to me is insanity or at least way out there in regards to being aggressive. Would you all agree? So that's what the Rams did to get their quarterback. They gave up a successful top quarterback who was drafted very high to go get one better, and that delivered a Super Bowl. Then they went out and got Odell Beckham Jr., who I believe was a lot better than some of the Raider receivers that the Raiders had, especially after Henry Ruggs could no longer play. And then they started giving away draft picks and going out and getting Von Miller. So if you think the Raiders are going to go there, I think there's got to be something in between. I would hope this offseason we see a blockbuster trade. Something. If, you're, if there's the ability to go out and get Devontae Adams to play with Derek, they played college together, and you do that, and he doesn't get franchise tagged, and Aaron Rodgers goes to Denver, whatever it is, you do that. If you got to trade your number one pick to get an offensive lineman who's been to a Pro Bowl, I'm all for that. Or if Dave Ziegler comes on the radio with me and says, on draft night or the day after, hey, JT, we're standing pat. We're going to stand here, and we're just going to take the draft picks. We're going to trade back. We're going to get multiple picks. We'll be able to talk about that. But for Raider fans, as we open up the show today, 702-365-9200, what level of aggressiveness do you want to see in the future roster of this team? And you can chart it on a scale of 1 to 10. You Seven or eight is very aggressive. Ten's insanity. You could say, JT, I'd like to be conservative. I like the fact that these guys are New England guys and they like to do it via the draft. But remember, Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels was part of a, reg- of a regime last year in New England that was very active in free agency and relaunching that roster and did a nice job getting to the playoffs with Mac Jones. So that's the monologue as we open up the show, 702-365-9200. I have a lot of news on James Harden and Ben Simmons that I want to get to. I think the Jack Eichel move, I'd love to get a couple of hockey calls just because I moved a couple of studios down in the building. 
Doesn't mean we don't do hockey anymore. Dave Gosher, one of the broadcasters, will join us at the top of next hour. I think this is a great night for hockey in this town. And then all the other news, and there's still some investigations going on in the NFL, and we'll talk about that. Kevin O'Connell, who wins the Super Bowl, is the offensive coordinator for the Rams now. The Vikings announce him as the next head coach. Uh, Zach, uh, Zach Taylor, the head coach of the Bengals, gets a contract extension through 2026. And then a big breaking news story today is the Cowboys paid $2.4 million to settle allegations of locker room voyeurism. How about this story? The NFL is trying to talk about the Washington investigation and keeping it secret. The Cowboys, Jerry Jones, he faces no specific allegations against him for now. A new report from Don Van Atta Jr. of ESPN.com contends that the team owned and operated by Jones paid $2.4 million to settle claims made by four members of the team's cheerleading squad. They claim that their uh, former PR executive, Rich Dalripple, secretly recorded them with an iPhone while they changed clothes in connection with an event at 2015 at AT&T Stadium. I mean, Dalripple has been a legend in this industry, and that's another scandal here in the offseason that's breaking news today by Mike Florio at Pro Football Talk. I mean, are you kidding me? Jerry Jones and the Cowboys have to deal with this stain when it comes to voyeurism? Incredible to me. Phone call, uh, phone, uh, the show works better with phone calls and people that have opinions because I just talk for 25 minutes. I talk for five hours a day without a breath. But these two hours, I want to put Raider fans on the radio and talk about the direction that this team is going in in the future. Again, thanks to Vinny Bonsignor for fueling the monologue with this great column today. The new regime supporting cast comes into focus as Josh McDaniels is filling out his staff with some impressive names, obviously some connections to New England, and some new names that are coming in, and only one coach retained. In Edgar Bennett, if you would have said to me, hey, JT, how many of these coaches you think are going to be retained? I would have said four or five, but that's that's his choice. This is Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler's team on the football side to build their staff, and they're doing it aggressively as the Vikings have to build out their staff and, you know, Peterson down in Jacksonville. They're calling the same guys, everybody, New Orleans. They're calling the best of the best assistant coaches and trying to convince them to come to Vegas and they seem to be doing a pretty good job. Uh, coming up next from Pro Football Focus, Deontay Lee, very good NFL insider. On a recap of the Super Bowl, what we saw, what he looked at when he went back and looked at the film. I looked at it. I watched it again. I didn't think both coaches did a great job in this game. I thought that Zach Taylor, who got a contract extension, was deer in the headlights on that final drive. But we'll hear what Deontay has to say. JT, as we begin... Thanks for listening to Raider Nation Radio. Alone in the shotgun with five wide. There's the snap. They rush four. There's a line drive throw near side. Leaping two-headed, falling down, catch in the end zone. Caught for the Ram touchdown. Odell Beckham Jr. near side of the end zone. Leaping high, bringing it down. Great moment for Odell Beckham Jr. JT back with you. Brought to you by Woodson Bourbon Whiskey. 
Uh, Charles is building his legend, and he'd like you to come along for the ride. He's got Intercept Wine, but also he's got the whiskey, which is fantastic. Woodson Bourbon Whiskey. Uh, Charles was all over L.A., the Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. I'm sure a lot of that whiskey is going to be popping for Cliff Branch coming up this summer as Cliff gets in. Hey, uh, speaking of Cliff Branch, tomorrow Phil Villapiano will join us. He reached out to me. He's excited to come on. He was at the John Madden Memorial, and he was teammates with Cliff. So there's a lot to get to with Phil. And we got to do more with Phil. I don't care if it's co-hosting a show with me, whatever it is. Phil's just a god in the Raider Nation. So we'll have him on tomorrow. I'm watching the Rams parade here. Odell Beckham Jr. Cooper Cup is now holding up the trophy. It's on NFL Network. He's the third wide receiver to lead the NFL in receiving yards and win a Super Bowl. So he's had an incredible year, an incredible short career, and it's great for the Rams. The Rams went all in. you got to respect it. You don't have to like the team, but you have to respect the way they went all in and tried to get it done. What do you think the Raiders should do? Somewhere in between the Patriot model under Belichick traditionally is they don't even draft well. They just develop players great. Can we get to that point? When have they drafted well over the years? When have they been great with free agents? Yeah, you know, they bring in Randy Moss. There's other deals they've done. We understand that. But overall, they just get players in, and they develop them, and they coach them better. Josh McDaniels has to do, take the players he has, and the new players that come in, he's got to coach them better to a higher level. And there's a lot of expectation for that. Gangster Raider, thanks for waiting. Start us off. What's happening? Hey, what's happening, JT? First off, I want to send my love out to um, Hondo and his family. And I told them that they'll keep their head up and everything. And also, I like the way um, our coaching staff is being put together. I'm more excited about the um, general manager hiring than the head coach, but I think he's going to provide stability and get us the right players we need as far as developing, like you was talking about. And also, I like the um, coaches that they bring it in, except that special teams coach. Mm-hmm. And it was another coach that um, was a hair scratcher. But I also um, sense that um, your boy Marinelli, since he's retiring, is it a chance? I hope they go back and get Coach Buckner because I reached out to him and he said if he he would love to be a Raider. He said once a Raider, always a Raider. But nobody reached out to him. And also, uh, well, I like the way that our players are being retained so far. And uh, hopefully, we retain the right players, keep them under contract, especially starting with the fullback. Because I, I don't know if um, Josh McDaniels usually uses a fullback in his system, mm-hmm. but we have to keep our fullback. You know, so I think even if we move him to like a regular, um, just another back without being a fullback, because he's a bruiser that can, mm-hmm. you know, provide blocking for Josh Jacobs and, and also improve our red zone offense. You know what I'm saying? And also, as far as the defense is concerned, I think that um, the um, defense that we coordinated, that we brought in from um, the Giants, I think he's going to use all our players correctly, especially Cleve Farrell and um, the rookie. We got uh, Morig. I think he's mm-hmm. going to use them because they're multidimensional. He know how to use it. And also, when I was at the um, watching the Super Bowl, reflecting on the season we had, while I was watching the Super Bowl, with a bunch of teams from other fans, I mean fans of other teams there, and I looked around, and they always had to bow their head when I looked at them because of all the Steelers fans, we beat them. It was a bunch of Cowboy fans. We beat the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. A bunch of Charger fans. We in the day season. It was what almost every um, team that was there. We beat them, and they when I, I was raided out. You know what I mean? I had my Raider everything, and they just had to bow down. They couldn't say nothing to us. You know what I mean? And I like that. Let's keep that going. Build on our season. We got a good foundation, and if um, 
Oh, yeah, one more thing about the Trent Brown thing. If um, mm-hmm. Josh McDaniels can get a second chance, Trent Brown can get a second chance, too, because he was under um, – he wasn't really – he came in under unusual conditions during COVID. He came in on an injury, and I think John Gruden probably rubbed him the wrong way. And also, I think he get better – we get more out of him with the regime, with the Patriots regime that we got now. That's all I think. I think a lot yeah. of Raider Nation fans are being extra hard on Trent Brown. And that's all I want to say, JT. Yeah. Have a good Thank day. You. And you shout too. out to Hondo and his family. Appreciate the call. Thanks a lot. I will not comment on Trent Brown. I commented enough on Trent Brown. Anybody who's listened to the show for five minutes or five years knows what I think about Trent Brown. So I'll pass on that one. But when it comes to Alec Engold, he is an excellent fullback. The new scheme, what's going to happen here with the offense. He's a very good player in this league. And when it comes to the scheme on defense, with Graham as the defensive coordinator, what, what I liked about Gus Bradley last year was it was bend, don't break. They gave up big yardage. At times, they were they were not good. They were dead last in red zone defense. That would have been really tough for Gus to come back and explain that, and he would have been able to do it. They would have improved on it. They would have changed up the scheme. They didn't blitz a lot. Uh, they played players at times. A lot of guys got injured. No Trayvon Mullen, no Jonathan Abram. If you look at those players right there especially, what will be the future of those high draft picks for the Raiders who were still under contract at decent prices before their free agency? I don't know. Dave Ziegler, I know this to be true because I've sat down with Mike Mayock and talked about it and other GMs over the past. I got hired by Bruce Allen, a GM at the time, and all the GMs that have brought me in their office and I've talked to or met with socially over the year, they all have the same philosophy. We're going to evaluate everybody. Well, this is that on steroids. This is Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels looking at some really good players that might not be back because they don't believe they fit their system or they might be able to keep these players and think that they could get more out of them, right? That, that's what I hope to see. Trayvon Merrick is the best example of what I see with this team going forward. They got a player who was really good and available. The thing that bothered me about the Raiders the last couple of seasons is the inability for players to play healthy. And at the end of this past season, COVID and all the injuries, the Raiders were playing with a mass unit. I felt so bad for Tom Cable. Every day Tom Cable pulled up to work, and he didn't know what he had, on top of the fact that he didn't have really rock-solid players on that offensive line other than Colt Miller. So if you look at that, and Cable tried to keep this team together and they made the playoffs, what a job. But now they go in a different direction with a new offensive line coach and a new offensive coordinator. Who do you keep? Who do you let go? Whose contracts do you really like? Whose contracts does the new head coach say, ready for this big gorilla in the room? How about when they say say to someone who's got a decent contract, man, we need you to restructure. You know, we think you're good, but you know, we're, we're willing to go somewhere else. We need you to restructure. Wait till that happens. This is how you run a football team. Deontay Lee, kind enough to join us from Pro Football Focus. He's got a great podcast that I listen to, which is really good. And he's one of the guys at Pro Football Focus that breaks down film, and he's also really good with college football. Deontay, thanks for joining us, and I'm looking up at Odell Beckham Jr. at the parade. Let's begin with him as you look back at the Super Bowl before the injury, then after the injury, and how the Rams were playing and how they reacted after he got hurt. Yeah, to me, I mean, going back and rewatching, and this was something that you could kind of pick up on early in the game, it seemed pretty clear that Sean McVay's approach was that Odell Beckham was going to be the engine that was going to open up everything else for the Rams offense. And I think that we saw some of the difficulties they had 
in the second and third quarter after he went down trying to generate some big plays. Like, I think that all of their downfield passes were designed to go to Odell, and I think that we saw that when Van Jefferson was asked to step up, you know, and replace him, you know, in their lineup. You saw some of those misses. It was clear that Matthew Stafford didn't have the same kind of connection and chemistry on some of the routes and throws that they were after to Van Jefferson and Skoranek and, and all the guys that they were trying to kind of fit in around him. You know, and it's not just him. Obviously, you can make the argument that losing Tyler Higby is yet another pass catcher, right? And that's where maybe you kind of get exposed on not having Robert Woods as well. So they were kind of down to bare bones by the second half of the game. But like I said, it's pretty clear that everything around this was kind of um, circulating on Odell Beckham's ability to be a mismatch. And when you don't have him and they weren't able to run the ball, you kind of saw that offense bogged down, you know, between the second and third quarters and even in the fourth up until you get that game-winning drive uh, from Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup. Deontay Lee is our guest, Pro Football Focus. So I want to now move to Cincinnati and what they did. They got a score near the end of the first half and then that big score right out of the gate on the missed call on what should have been offensive pass interference. Once they took the lead with the weapons they had and especially Joe Mixon, I thought Zach Taylor was deer in a headlight. I, I thought he coached a terrible game in the second half. He second-guessed himself. Mixon wasn't on the field enough. And I thought that there should have been more moving the pocket for Joe Burrow. As you watch the game first and then the second time around, what did you see with the Bengals and why they couldn't really stay on point in the second half? Well, to me, and we'll probably never get a genuine answer. You know, coaches and players in general play coy about guys who are hurt in-game but don't exit the game due to their injuries. But I'm really interested to know the extent to which Joe Burrow's knee was affected by that sack that we saw in the second half. Because it was clear to me on the second rewatch that after that play happened, there really wasn't any way for him to escape the pass rush. So to your point about Zach Taylor not having another adjustment in mind, I think that that's where I really walked away kind of disappointed. And this has kind of been a story of Cincinnati all year long. They've just been – so talented and so explosive offensively that it hasn't really bit them in the butt. Um, but, you know, you can see in the game there are some things that they did that would work for three, four, maybe five snaps in a row, and then you might not see it again for a quarter, let alone, you know, the rest of the game. So, you know, I think that their offense had just kind of been disjointed and was a lot of just putting the ball in Burrow's hands and asking to create offense with those star receivers that they had. And once he wasn't able to do what I think is his best ability – and escaping, escaping pressure, manipulating the pocket, and being able to throw the ball on the run or under under duress, you know, like that, that made it really difficult for them to generate offense. And we saw it, especially in that fourth quarter, man. The, the pressure was coming, and they were closing in from all angles, and there was just nowhere for Burroughs to escape. And I, I, like you said, Zach Taylor just did not have, you know, anything else in the chamber that he could use to try to free up some offense for his guys. Yeah, my big thing was more screens with Joe Mixon. He threw a touchdown in the game. So when he got the ball – you could see that the defense had their eyes on him. He threw a great touchdown pass. And I just think with Aaron Donald there, you want to run away from him. Now, that's hard to do. If he's in the interior, you don't run right at him. He's going to right. tackle you if you run right at him. So I thought we were going to see more pitches, just quick pitches to mix in on the run, uh, jet sweeps, whatever they had to do. I thought, you know, maybe get Jamar Chase at a couple of jet sweeps, like the fourth down one that we saw with Cooper Cup. I just didn't see – Taylor just trying to do unique things, more play action, more more players in motion, more distraction, get Chase in motion to get Ramsey off of him and try to break up the double team. Well, that right there, I think your last point is a key one that I had in rewatching the game was that, and this happened over the course 
of the game. But in the first and second quarter, even though they weren't necessarily being explosive or moving the ball the greatest, I thought that they had an excellent approach in terms of getting the ball out of Burrow's hands quickly. And one of the things that we saw in the first few drives was a lot of motion with Chase, with Higgins, trying to move these guys around, you know, so that way you can manipulate these matchups, create some confusion. The fourth and one they had on their opening drive that they didn't convert, um, you saw them use motion and cause some confusion for the Rams then because Jalen Ramsey knows that his matchup is Jamar Chase or T. Higgins if that's what he's tasked with. And now you're creating that confusion with the rest of the 10 defenders around him in terms of who's responsible for what. You know, and I, I just don't think that there was enough of that. And once the, those quick passes were out of the way, like you said, not enough screens, not enough swing passes, there was no real misdirection, all of the things that we've been talking about for not just the last few years, but this goes back 40, 50 years in NFL history about how you want to neutralize an elite pass rush. And I don't think that we saw enough of that. I think that once they got the lead, and I think that the, them getting the lead also happened to kind of coincide with Burrow getting hurt, I think that Zach Taylor's approach was, to try to just sit on the ball as much as possible. Now, one thing that we've seen um, week in and week out with the Rams is that if you try to hold the ball and just delay the inevitable, Matthew Stafford is still going to make the plays and punish you, and that's exactly what happens. Wrapping it up with Deontay, take me through that final drive because I believe Stafford's going to get to the Hall of Fame someday. Richard Sherman had a great analysis and soundbite why he doesn't believe he is now. I disagree because I believe it's yards and touchdowns. He played on a bad team, so he wasn't going to go to Pro Bowls on a bad team. He wasn't going to go to the playoffs and conference championships. But he put up a lot of yards and big games and comebacks and all that on a really bad team. That drive was as strong as any drive. I'd say top 10 in Super Bowl history. A lot of Super Bowls are blowouts, so you don't need a game-winning drive. He had to be almost perfect on that to win the game, especially when he locked in with Cooper Cup. Looking back on it, how great was Stafford in the final four-plus minutes of the game? I mean, he was on fire. It was everything that we saw in the Bucks game. It's what we've seen, you know, in the clutch with him throughout the regular season. He's just risen to the all year long. Um, I'm not sure really where I stand on him as far as Hall of Fame resumes go, but I do believe that that drive in the fourth quarter is your legacy changer for him. So if he's going to make a Hall of Fame argument, I think that it starts from the Super Bowl that we just saw on Sunday going forward. And then everything that we have from his tenure in Detroit, to your point, is going to be about those yards and touchdowns and racking up those accolades on top. Like, I think he's a little short in Pro Bowls and all pro teams. But if they're able to keep Sean McVay in the fold, Robert Woods gets healthy, maybe they find a way to keep Odell Beckham on the team for cheap because he got hurt. Um, you know, that might open up an opportunity for him to put together enough of these high-profile moments to really build that resume out on the back half of his career, and he might be able to sneak into the Hall of Fame. He can just add a little bit more and keep climbing that leaderboard in terms of career passing yards and career touchdowns. Thanks so much. Appreciate the time. Best with your family. Thanks for coming on, Deontay. No, thank you for giving me the time, man. You guys have a great day. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Deontay Lee, Pro Football Focus. You should follow everybody at Pro Football Focus. I have a full account with them, a lot of knowledge, a lot of information, grades, all of that. It's really good for the offseason as you get ready for the draft. I was on a draft conference call today. Wow. Wait till you see what Vegas, the Raiders, everybody's talking about for the NFL draft here. I can promise you they'll have a better crowd than the Rams had. So the Rams started off their parade route. No one was there. There was just a small spattering of fans there. Then they got to the L.A. Coliseum. Not so far. They're right out in front of the L.A. Coliseum. 
And then the crowd noticeably picked up. I, I don't know what the number is, but somewhat embarrassing compared to Detroit, Boston, and other big cities. And you just can't compete with the Lakers and Dodgers in this town. Plus, there's two NFL teams, the Chargers and the Rams, and the Raiders have a bigger fan base. We want to thank Remy Martin for helping us get out to the Super Bowl. Remy Martin, team up for excellence. A Remy Martin cocktail, a sidecar, would be the perfect way for you to kick off a big dinner and a big night out. Thanks to Remy Martin. And Smith gets it out of the zone, race toward the puck, he's in, he's got it shorthanded, Carlson gets it on goal and he scores! Smith to Carlson! The Knights' eighth shorthanded goal of the season, Vegas leads 2-0. Big night for the Golden Knights, Jack Eichel, one of the best players in hockey, will make his debut against the Avalanche, Dave Gosher joins us at the top of the hour. JT, back with you. Thanks for joining us. Modelo, the fighting spirit. Every Friday I have a bucket of Modelos. Raise it to the sky to the Raider Nation. I drink Modelo, proud partner of the show. So a lot of news today, and we'll get into hockey at the top of the hour. NBA is starting to pick up. We have the NBA All-Star break coming up this weekend, the Daytona 500. A lot of big events coming in sports here. But everybody lives off of football. So we have the parade live right now, the Rams parade in Los Angeles at the Coliseum. And other than that, then the offseason jumps on us pretty quickly. And the Raiders are going to be probably one of the more talked about teams this offseason because of a new coach, a new GM, and a new philosophy. And I was on board with the old philosophy. You know, why wouldn't you be? You know, Rich Passaccia did a really good job. And the coaches there got the team to the playoffs, but Mark Davis made a big bold decision on a new turn and where he wants the team to be. And remember, this will be the third year in Vegas, second with fans. So the Raiders have been around since 1960, but third year in Vegas. And what type of splash do they make with the new staff? Considering the new staff comes from a regime in New England where they didn't make big splashes. All they did was stay under the radar. If you look at the Patriot way and what happened in New England under Tom Brady and Belichick, Everybody did their job. Remember that? Belichick, do your job. No days off. And they worked hard. Gruden was one of the hardest working grinders in NFL history. You never heard of Raiders not working hard. Jack Del Rio, whoever's the coach that I've been around, the Raiders have always worked hard. And under Basaccia, I thought they practiced well. I talked to Coach Basaccia off the air when we would do those TV interviews, and I'd ask him, how was practice this week? We had a great week of practice. He wasn't lying. They had a lot of good weeks of practice on the way to making it to the playoffs. Now Josh McDaniels, how does he run practice? Is it faster? Is it less pads? I don't know how you could get any less pads than what we have now in football. Is there more film study? Is there more meetings with the team together instead of breaking down different units? I have no idea. We're going to ask all these questions when we get an opportunity again. But as Vinny Bonsignor wrote, the new regime supporting cast comes into focus, most teams are going through that same thing. Not many teams that make a coaching change bring back 20, 25% of the staff. The Raiders so far have only brought back one, Edgar Bennett, wide receivers coach, and I thought he did a really good job uh, last year. The Cowboys paid $2.4 million over a voyeurism allegation. 
And as this seems, they paid it. And the NFL is reporting this today. Rich Dalrymple uh, and Jerry Jones. And I, I, I look at this. Dalrymple declined to be interviewed, but released a statement saying that the allegations are false. This is a big story because Rich Dalrymple, who I've met a few times, had a pretty good reputation in this league for a long period of time. And if the Cowboys paid $2.4 million, you got to believe that the Cowboys thought it was important to get this off their ledger and move on. We'll hit on this over the next couple of days. If you're a VGK fan, tell everybody. We're talking to Ghost next on the launch of Jack Eichel and what that means for the Golden Knights going forward on their quest for the Stanley Cup.